Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fan List podcast in the wake of another Roland Garros title for Rafael Nadal. Not sure how many years longer I'm going to be saying that, but given the performance yesterday, I get the feeling I might have a beard growing by the time uh, by the time I stop having to say this. Um, yeah, I'm joined by Michael Gillett, as always. How are you doing after that, Michael? Yeah, um, different month, different environment. But same winner, just mental. Um, Nadal was just unreal yesterday and I'm, I'm looking forward to having a talk about it. So to get into the match and it didn't pan out as we would have expected. I think in in our uh, preview, when we previewed it in the last episode, I said Nadal in four. Michael was going for an optimistic Djokovic upset. Um, but the Spaniard ended up winning it quite straightforwardly, particularly in the first two sets. Uh, he won it in straight six love six two seven five. Having said that, especially the first set was not as easy as it might have sounded. Um, he uh, Djokovic won nineteen points in that first set and didn't fail to convert a game. Um, and it was also fifty minutes, um, which you know doesn't is not routine. You know sometimes you can get sets that are maybe seven six seven five in in that time. So uh, six love and. Uh, you watched it if you want to take it set by set. How were you feeling after that first set? Or did you, could you predict the onslaught that there was in, in the second after that one? Well, after the first set, I think I, I still... I say give Djokovic a chance. I, I don't know. But um, I still thought we could be a good match after that first set. Because, as you say, 50 minutes or four, just under 50 minutes for a six-love set is, is ridiculous. And I think four or five out of six of those games uh, went to Juice. Um, it was just a case of Nadal winning the big points. Um, but Djokovic by no means played badly in that first set. Um, so I think I, I still was hoping that the match could be could, could be a good match. Um, second set, however, it, yeah, it was just similar. You know, Djokovic did get his uh, two games on the board, but it was just evident that it was going to be Nadal's day, really. And even though Djokovic did get that break back in the third, he, he did make the third interesting. But to be honest, it was always just a battle for the third set rather than a battle to actually get in the match. Because I, I think most people would agree that even if Djokovic had ended up winning that third set, Nadal was still favourite and he was the better man on the day. I think normally when you see Djokovic losing matches, you see him getting frustrated, talking to himself, um, talking to his team. But yesterday it was very much a case of he wasn't really talking to anyone because he was sort of, he was just more dismayed yesterday. He was standing there and he was fully accepting that Rafa was the better man and he, he just looked like a sort of, I, I don't know, he just looked like, obviously I'm sure he was frustrated, but he just looked as if he, he knew there was nothing nothing he could do and he was just accepting it. Um, and he said after the match, he said to Rafa that you proved to me why you are the king of clay. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what else there is to say really, Nadal just... I said in the last podcast, playing Nadal on, at the French Open is the toughest match in tennis. And I think yesterday, more than ever, he, he proved that. Um, the world number one, Djokovic, who hadn't lost a completed match all year, 
wasn't even able to push him slightly. I completely agree. Yeah, just the seven games that Djokovic was able to take off Nadal. And yeah, I mean, particularly uh, what struck me um, that was the maybe less eye-catching, but more to me just shows how impossible it can be to play against Rafa at the French Open was just his defence in that third set really amazed me. There were so many points where I feel like Novak hit shots that would be winners against a lot of opponents. And, and somehow Rafa gets a racket on it, just gets there in time. But not only that, he manages to get enough racket on it or enough slice on it to get it right back, get really good depth right to the back of the court. So then Novak can't, um, can't continue to sort of uh, uh, press in his advantage that he would have had in, in the point. And then eventually Nadal would, would grind him down and, and, and hit a winner. Um, Djokovic ended up trying quite a few drop, drop shots as well to mixed effect I mean it's hard to criticise Novak really because I really can't really fault anything that Nadal did I, I'm not sure how he could have approached it differently to get any different result um, yeah the man just looked unbeatable on the day um, looked very happy with his with his win I suppose he might have been waiting for this one for quite a long time having obviously not had any success in the last well obviously not playing the US Open and then losing in Australia. Um, the next French Open is coming up in just seven months' time, which <laughs> comes around very quickly. Um, and looking at the slams and, and the, the uh, kind of competition for who can be the undisputed greatest player of all time, obviously this win for Rafael Nadal equaling Roger Federer's record at 20. Djokovic is down on 17, though he is the youngest of the three. Just looking towards that, I know we've discussed before and probably agreed that we thought after they'd all retired that Djokovic would probably have the most slams just due to probably being a little bit more consistent on on, uh, different surfaces. However, with that next French Open coming up quickly, Nadal, you'd expect to make it 21. Djokovic obviously has an outstanding record at the Australian Open, so will be favourite to make it 18 before then and cut the gap back to just two slams. However, it is looking tougher and tougher for Djokovic now. Um, you know, with, with players improving rapidly, like Tsitsipas and Medvedev, Dominic team, it is going to be tougher now, and particularly with the manner of that defeat yesterday. You think that the gap between Nadal and Djokovic, if Rafa can just keep turning up how he did at the French Open this year, um, at the age of 34, um, and 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 continue as he grows into his later thirties as Roger Federer has. It's going to be a really tough task. Yeah, I think in terms of the Grand Slam singles, <clears throat> sorry, uh, Grand Grand Slam singles titles, um, it, I never really was ever bothered about the race. I never really looked at it much, but I think now around this tournament, I really have been because it is really heating up, as you say. You might expect Nadal and Djokovic to both have another Grand Slam within a year. Though what I would say is Djokovic, though he loves the Australian Open, he's nowhere near as dominant at it as Nadal is at the French. I mean, we saw Djokovic, perhaps he should have lost the final this year against Dominic Team, whereas Nadal, he didn't even drop a set on the way. Um, I think, you know, 
I don't want to write, you can never write Roger Federer off, but I feel that most people would agree now he probably isn't going to win another slam. I think for him to win, if he, if he's going to win another slam, it would be by far the biggest achievement of his career. In, in, that sounds like a weird thing to say, but I would say it would be the most unreal win for a Grand Slam if Roger Federer was going to win another one. Coming back from knee surgery at the age of, uh, well, 38 or 39. Um, yeah, it, it would be mad. I think in terms of the race, though, like you say, I think I think Djokovic will win it, in my opinion. I think it's hard to see Nadal coming back and, and sort of dominating other slams. But then again, when I watch him in a match like yesterday, I guess you you never really know. Um, if he can perform that well on the clay, why couldn't he do it on, on a hard court or a grass court? Yeah, I know they're different environment and different surfaces and it, it changes the match. But, you know, he didn't just beat Djokovic yesterday. He absolutely crushed him. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, one of the things stopping Nadal winning slams on other surfaces, I think the main barrier to that is Novak Djokovic himself. Um, he's taken him out in a fair few finals in, in recent years and has definitely proved that he is the stronger player outside of outside of the clay course in Paris. Um, so, yeah, it is going to be something interesting. You know, we've had tennis dominated by the big three for a very long time now. And it does seem like it's at least coming to a sort of crescendo at the end of their careers. It's there uh, heading into their, well, Djokovic into his mid thirties, similar to Nadal and um, Roger Federer will turn 40 in, in August next year. So yeah, I see a point that it, it definitely would be one of his greatest achievements. I'm not sure if there has been an older slam winner um, than 39, 40. Um, so yeah, it is exciting. I mean, we we've definitely been sort of looking forward to a, a changing of the guard of a, a new man on the block to try and uh, well compete with these three. It can, doesn't look too likely at the moment, although Sitsipas did push Novak Djokovic the other day. Um, but no, I, I think it does add a little spice to the uh, monotony of having three Grand Slam champions um, over a, a very long time. And I would have to agree with you, I'll stick with Novak Djokovic. I do think, you know, three of the four slams of the year, he'll be favourite. Nadal will be favourite for one um, going into the next couple of years, you'd have to say. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure he'll bounce back from this, you know. Though, you know, he loves the Australian Open and he'll be favourite there. Um, he'll probably take confidence from not being at his best and managing to grind it out against Dominic Team in last year's final. Uh, so that'll be the next Grand Slam we're looking forward to. But um, if you have any closing words on the French Open, it's been a very enjoyable tournament, slightly predictable winner on the men's side. But uh, yeah, and then we'll look ahead to the tour events coming up this week. Yeah, uh, closing words on the French Open, I guess, are just same old. Um, Nadal just never ceases to amaze me. Uh at the French and the fact that he can go out and do that at the age of 34 um, yeah crazy Love, 
Unbelievable, Jeff. Anyway, moving on to the three tournaments this week. We're back on the regular tour. The type of stuff that me and Michael are way too interested in. And that's a 500 and two 250 tournaments this week. One on clay, two on hardcourt. The clay court tournament is a 250 in Sardinia in Italy. Then you've got another 250 on a hard court in Cologne in Germany. And the 500 is on the hard courts in St. Petersburg in Russia. Um, don't, there's uh, no Nadal, no Djokovic, no Federer as yet in, in these tournaments. Roger Federer is still recovering from injury, of course. Um, but still plenty of big names. Um, I've gone for three uh, winners in, in, the, in these tournaments that are all below the age of 23 or 23 exactly. I think Sasha Zverev is. Off spoilt one, so we'll start off with Cologne. And just for a brief prediction before we uh, we'll have another episode where we look into these tournaments a bit more in depth later on in the week. But my prediction for Cologne is Sasisverev to beat Roberto Bautista Agut in the final. How 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 have your picks gone? Well, I've sort of gone for it a bit in Cologne. Um, I've also got Bautista Agut to lose in the final. Um, but I have put Sasha Zverev to lose in the second round to Filip Krajinovic. And I've got Krajinovic to win the title. Um, Bold. Because, well, you know, Zverev is Zverev. He, I think he's going to go on a very bad run of form uh, following that US final. Obviously, he didn't have a bad friend. He got knocked out by a very... Good Yannick Sinner. But also, I think Zverev's got a potential second round with Andy Murray. Andy Murray could definitely win that. Like He beat him I, at the I, Western Southern Open, Murray did. Yeah, I, and I know, I think this is on clay cologne. Uh, no, no, it's not. It's indoor, which is why I put Krajinovic to win it. Because um, he's got a very good indoor record, very good indoor player. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, why not? I've gone for uh, Krajinovic to win it. I've also gone for Marin Cilic to get to the semi-final, which I feel is perhaps always a bit of a risk at the moment. But I quite like his quarter of the draw. There's no one in it uh, playing that well at the moment. Benoit Pair isn't really on form at the moment. Uh, and yeah, but um, yeah, I've gone for Filip Krajinovic to beat Batista again in the final. Fair enough. Of course, there's potential that Jok- um, sorry Zverev's. Uh, motivation might have taken a little hit going into this one as a as a two fifty rather than the couple of grand slams we've had in, in the last month or two. Um, to move on, I'll go to Italy and Sardinia. The two fifty played out on the clay. Um, I've very much gone down a clay specialist route, um, and therefore my finalist and winner is comes from Norway, Casper Ruud. Uh, maybe a forgettable player to some, but not me. I've got him to win Sardinia and beat Marco Cecchinato in the final. And to that, I will say snap. I've got Rude to beat Cecchinato in the final, which I thought maybe was a bit of a risk considering Cecchinato is a wild card. Um, But you've obviously done the same. I've also got number one seed Fabio Fognini to uh, lose in his first match against Carballa's Boina. Oh, fair enough. I don't think I do. Well, I think he's got a bye in the first round. I've got Federico Correa 
uh, qualifier to beat um, Fabio uh, the top seed. Yeah, I didn't check for qualifiers. I did the draw when the qualifiers ain't gone up. That's a good point. I think Correa will, will probably win that. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Anyway, Carbales being a very strong player on, on a clay court anyway. Uh, so moving on to probably the main event, the one we're going to be digging a lot deeper into, probably compared to Sardinia and Cologne later on this week. Um, and that is the St. Petersburg 500. And I've got top seed Daniil Medvedev to beat Andrei Rublev in the final. Uh, yes, I've gone for the same final, but I've gone for Rublev as the winner. So um could come down to that in terms of our predictions. Also got... um. Hatching off to make the semi, so I've got three or four semi-finalists from the home country, Russia. Yeah, be an interesting all-Russian final. That definitely uh, quite evenly matched. Obviously, they they um, they had a match. I think it was a quarter-final of the U.S. Open, and uh, Medvedev won in straights, I believe. But it was a it was quite a, quite a close match. And yeah, Rublev, what an amazing year he's having. He'll be looking to book his place at the uh, ATP Tour Finals as soon as he can. Yeah, I've just realised I had um, a qualifier to beat Riley Opelka, and this qualifier has gone up as Nino Serdarusevic. Oh, Croatian player. Yeah. Yeah, never heard of him. Is he young? No, he's mainly a challenger, I think. Well, <laughs> you're beefing Riley Opelka in a, on a hard court. Yeah, true. I should have gone for Opelka, really. Yeah. Oh well, I've also, there's a lucky loser in there now. I've had lucky loser to beat Roman Safiulin, um, but that's now gone to Gomez as a lucky loser. But hey, yeah, that's my prediction for uh, St. Peter's. Brilliant. Um, we look forward to digging into those a lot deeper in an episode in a few days. But moving on to the final segment of the podcast, and that's Guess the Player. This time it's Michael's turn for a bit of redemption after a poor performance a couple of podcasts ago. Um, so this one, I've gone a little bit more in depth in the clues than I would usually um, after you set the bar so high with Adrian Manorino in the last episode. But the first clue is that this player broke into the top 100 for the second time in March 2019. So a little vague. Broke into the top 100 for a second time in March 2019. Prajnesh Gunaswaran. Love that. I haven't heard that name in a while, but sadly it's not Prajnesh. I was tracking his rankings a while back because I predicted him to get to the top 50 quite badly, I predicted. And uh, he, he went in and out a couple of times. Okay, clue number two. He won his first ATP Tour title as a lucky loser in July 2017. I do remember a lucky loser winning a title, but I, I think it does happen. Ah, oh, I'm trying to think of that Canadian guy. It's not Brandon Schnur or you know that guy I'm thinking of yeah Braden Schneer I think it is that. I'm pretty sure he didn't he win a 250 he definitely got to the final of one I think I remember a final but maybe not yeah I'm winning it uh, third clue it's not Braden Schneer but he's similar age I think Schneer's maybe 23 24 but this guy is 22 years old 
Okay, won a title as a lucky loser, 22 years old. Quite young. Probably been next gen then. Um, I don't think he's won a title. Oh no, he he's younger. I think. No, he might be the no. Uh, yeah, he won Wimbledon Juniors quite a few. Yeah, I'll go Davidovich Fokina. Interesting shout. Yeah, I like that, but it's not Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. The fourth clue is he lost to Hyun Chung in the inaugural Next Gen Finals in the the final. He was runner-up to Hyun Chung. I remember Chung winning it. I think it was the first Next Gen event, first ever one. And he's won an ATP title. title. So maybe if he's got to the next-gen finals, but he's only really won one title, and that was his lucky loser, maybe he's underachieved a little bit. Um, These are quite hard clues. They're not really... um, Quarantine Mute. No, he's never made a next-gen finals, I'm afraid. Um, fifth clue this might uh, shock you a little bit but this player broke into the world's top 10 for the first time today oh today and he's 22 Andre Rublev correct (laughs) and I said that he had underachieved (laughs) yeah Umag as a lucky loser in twenty as uh, as a nineteen year old. That's his only ATP tour title. Or did you say first? I said first. Yeah. Oh, I was okay. I, was I, I mis- misinterpreted that clue. I was thinking it was his only one. Yeah, I think they were. Um, they were good clues actually because they were kind of like they were they were good and detailed, but they didn't actually really tell me that it was Andre Rublev so yeah congratulations I like that yes and I feel I have kind of redeemed myself because I feel that not many people would have got Andre Rublev before that clue unless they'd no. remember the next gen finals but I, I couldn't really remember No, that's back in like 2017 isn't it yeah, yeah. And then was it the next Australian Open that Chung made the semi-finals of? Or quarters? Probably. He got to the semis, didn't he? Uh, semi, I think. Yeah, he beat Sangren in the quarters, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and Jok- beat Djokovic in straights in the one of the rounds. Madness. Where's he gone? Well, yeah, we want him back soon. Um... To conclude, um, this has been a very fun episode to talk about the man mountain of play tennis in Rafael Nadal. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening and uh, stay tuned for some episodes uh, later on this week. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for listening. See you later.